This morning we're looking at Ephesians chapter 4. And the reason I want to look at this passage is because it ties in. Our scripture reading this morning was from uh, Galatians chapter 5, 16 through 17, which is our theme for the year, walking in the Spirit. Uh, so what I want to look at this morning is this passage from Ephesians chapter 4, 17 through 24, that tells us about how to put on the new person, what the scriptures have to say in giving, in giving us instructions about making changes in our life, uh, putting off the old person, the the sinful person and putting on the new person. You might think about that automatically when you think about baptism. When we were baptized into Christ, all of our sins were washed away. And we know this, that we partook of the death, the burial, and resurrection of Christ when we were baptized. In the sense that we died to our old selves, we repented, we were buried in the waters of baptism, and we rose to the newness of life. We'll come back to that again in a moment. But what you're going to see here is that the church in Ephesus had to be reminded of this. Be reminded that, yes, leave the old person where they are, gone, dead, and buried. And that you be the new person in Christ. And I think that's fundamentally essential for us uh, as Christians. I know there are a lot of believers, a lot of Christians who are struggling with sin and things that keep coming up in their life. And one of the things that stands out to me is the way that they perceive themselves. They always want to put themselves down and degrade themselves rather than looking at someone who's been saved by the grace of God, who's striving to be a holy and good person, who's pursuing Him and pursuing Christ. And when we change our mentality there, it makes a big difference. And it's something that's taught here in the Scriptures that's a part of our change. And so the question again this morning is, is are you walking in the Spirit? Are you walking by God's Holy Spirit? Is that how you're living your life? Walking, again, a metaphor for living the life. And walking by the Spirit would be living a life that is full of the fruits of the Holy Spirit that we read about further down in Galatians chapter 5. Walking by the Spirit means I'm following His revelation that's in Scripture, that's been given to us. These are things that, that stand out about following and walking by the Holy Spirit. And so I love this passage here in Ephesians 4. Beautiful, wonderful passage for helping us when we're struggling with sin or an addiction or something else in our life to think in this way, to have the right mentality, the right beginning to start off in our life. And then we get a little bit more instruction here from the text uh, and changes that we can make. So before we draw some points from it, let's read Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through 24. Ephesians 4, 17 through 24. And Paul says this, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk, in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, and being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanness, with greediness. But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man, which grows corrupt according to deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. 
So let's slow down now and draw some observations from the text. Let's look again at what we just read and try to get a big picture of it and look at what the main point is as well. So again, we have the Apostle Paul giving instruction here to the church. Now they should already know this, but again, he's telling them, don't live like the world. Don't live like the nations. It says Gentiles there. That means the nations. Don't live like them. And you are to make a change. And he says here, they live in a way that's futile, that it's empty, it's vain, it's useless. And he says, the nations live in the uselessness of their mind. They're infatuated on everything but God, everything that's right, everything contrary to what they were created for. We see the reminders throughout the Bible that, that the false prophets, which we studied last week, always teaching and perceiving that we are just beasts and just animals. We're just on a higher level. And that sounds very familiar today because that's what we're being told. You just evolved from a single cell organism. You came from an ape. From, and that's where you came from. You're just an animal. So behave in this way. And the Bible is a complete contradiction to that. It tells us we're created after our creator. After our God. We're made in His likeness from the very beginning. So the nations live in this uselessness of thinking. It says the mind here. A Greek word is nous. So it could be thinking, thoughts, ideas, the futility of their thinking. And having become darkened in their thinking. And that's a very interesting way to put it. And so those who have come to Christ later in life, you kind of look back at the the earlier part of your life, you know, if there's a part as you lived apart from God as an adult, you look back on it and see there's kind of a darkness there. I was just ignorant. I was, I didn't see what was, should be right in front of me that my creator has made me and given me purpose in life. And so we also see this in the text because of this, the world is estranged from God. It's separated from God. It's alienated from God. You might think of other passages like Isaiah 59 and verse 1 that says your sins have separated you from God. And we're reminded of that in the book of Colossians and Ephesians, that it's our sins and wickedness that alienate us and separate us from God. And here he says the life of God, we're, we're apart from that. And then we, we have ignorance, agnoia is the Greek word there. And so they're separated from God because they don't know God. They don't know who their creator is. I'm going to talk more about this tonight when we look at the subject of Hannah. But uh, she knew who her creator was. And she prayed for a son and God gave her a son. And I'll, I'll build on more of that this evening. But it's in contrast right here to what we read here in Ephesians 4. You read about this in Romans 1. You can read about it in Acts chapter 17. About this type of agnosticism of not knowing God. And what goes along with it is a hardness of heart. Oh, I can know more about God, but I don't want to. And so we have this state here that Paul's saying, look at what has become of the nations of the world and don't be like them. Don't be callous. They become callous. And then what happens to them? That's what we read about in Romans chapter 1. They don't recognize God. They don't come to Him. They don't, they don't uh, thank Him. They don't honor Him. And so God says He gives them over to the passions and desires of their flesh. And here He says they become callous, given to lewdness. So lewdness, this is a sexual sin of um, whether it's in your speech or in the way that you behave or, or in the way that you dress. It's a type of lewdness. And we see that in the world today. There's a type of lewdness when you turn on the television. Um, you see that. You can't get away from it. And so they become callous in this. And then it increases to, it says there, uncleanness. The Greek word there for uncleanness means sexual impurity. Okay, uh, the, what's between lewdness and sexual immorality is the sexual 
impurity and uncleanness. And it says that they, they do so by coveting and desiring. And so they live after these desires and these lusts within him, within them. And then Paul goes on and describes them as being deceitful desires that lead people away. And then he's emphatic about this. The apostle's emphatic. He says, you haven't learned Christ this way. If you know Jesus anything about his teaching, you don't live in this way. This is contrary to the truth. It's a lie. It's false. That's what's going on in the world. People want to ignore God. They don't don't want to pay attention to him. And we see this as well, that the truth of Christ is to put away. Now, some translations don't really capture this, but in the Greek it says, put away from what's in front of you, in front of your face. And so... What are we usually putting in front of our face? You think about that. Certain devices, TVs, things like that. All these things we're putting in front of our face. Might be the certain surroundings we're around. We'll put the world before our face. And he says, that way, that old man that's put before you, before your face, that old conduct of the old person or old self, I think the English standard says, the old self. And it's described here as this person is injured. In other words, you put them away because they're damaged, they're ruined. There's no, end, there's no hope for them. And they've been led astray from the deceitful desires. That's what he says, deceitful desires, which ties in again with last week's study when we looked at well, how we deceive ourselves and what things deceive us. And again, he's saying the truth is put this away. And then listen to this. He comes to this main point. He says, then be renewed in the spirit of your thinking. The way you think and the way you perceive the world and the way that you think about God and your Creator makes a big difference of who you are, whether you realize it or not. Every day we wake up in the way that we live, you can, you can tell in the character of an individual who wakes up realizing I was created by God, I rely upon Him in everything for His grace and His mercy, He's given me my life. I owe Him everything. And that changes the way that you think. And so the Paul says, be renewed in your thinking. This is a constant renewal, and that might sound familiar. It might sound like another passage. We'll come to that in a moment. But he says, in the spirit of your thinking, your mind, your understanding, you need to be changed. And he says, listen to this, put on or be clothed with the new person created according to God. So I want to make a change in Christ, uh, what Paul is saying right here. He's saying, put off the old person, put on the new person, which they should have already done, but he knows they can get away from it. He knows that the world's going to have an influence upon them. And he says, you've got to be continuing this. And it begins with your thinking. It's a thinking that is focused again on the Creator and on your God. And then you're putting on that new person, created after the likeness of God, with righteousness and holiness. In other words, I want to be like God. How? Well, in the way that he's righteous and that he's made me righteous before him in his holiness. All right, now that we've kind of broken down and thought of it, here's what I think I see in here is the main point. Change begins with how you identify yourself. How you identify yourself. We need to identify ourselves as a new person and not degrade ourselves as an old person. Okay, Uh, as, as the old self. One thing I disagree with that often goes on in a lot of counseling groups and meetings like AA or SA and a lot of them, they'll have you stand up and confess and say, you know, I'm an alcoholic or I'm an addict. And they constantly want them to carry that with them. And as Christians, I think we've got to lay that old person down and move on to understanding and say, no, who am I? I encourage you to do that this morning. This would be kind of your homework project if I lose you. Is think about yourself, the new self of which God has made in you. Who are you? 
So personally, I think I'm a man. I'm striving to follow my Creator. I'm I'm seeking after Jesus Christ by His grace. I'm doing everything I can to do that, to be a good father, to be a good husband. Those are the things that I'm striving for. That's my my identity. That's the way that I perceive myself. And I encourage you, don't have the perception of yourself as the old person, the person that should be dead and buried. Don't dig them back up again. The person of sin who conformed to the world. Put them away. Identify yourself as the new person created after God. And that makes a big, big difference in who we are. That's what changes us. So we identify ourselves. I'm a follower of Christ. I'm a Christian. This is who I'm living and this is where I'm going and this is what I'm a part of. I'm not perfect, but I'm living by the grace of God. That's the identity we should have. Another way you could break this down is like this. When I read through the text, I saw this. It stood out to me. If you're going to make change in your life, you have to decide that I'm not going to be like the world. Everything I see on TV, the influences, the things that people are putting out there and say, you should be this way in the entertainment. I'm not going to be like that. I want to be like Christ. And so that's number two. Know the truth that is in Christ, except that there is no other way outside of Him. That's what we see there in Ephesians 4. That we're going to put away the conduct of the old self. We're not going to continue to put that before us. That old self that's ruined and damaged by deceit. And that we're going to be renewed. Our thinking is going to be different. And when we identify ourselves in a different way, what's going to happen when I'm tempted by certain sins? When I'm being pulled away, when, I, when others around me are trying to influence me, I'm going to think, no, I'm not this person. I'm created after God. I'm loyal to Him. I'm a faithful Christian. I'm not going to go that direction. You've got to have that a part of your identity. You might be reading this passage this morning and think about this passage. This is one that came right to my mind. Romans 12, verses 1 through 2. Might be your favorite scripture. And Paul says here, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable service or your reasonable worship. And so Paul's saying, you make yourself a sacrifice. You put away the old person and you give yourself as a a living sacrifice. Give your life completely to him. How do you do that? Well, look at verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world. Don't be conformed by the world. We know what it's like when we feel being dragged down or when we have temptations around us. Those are the things that come up saying, be conformed to the world again. That's just what we just read there in Ephesians 4. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed again by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that which is good and acceptable and perfect, the perfect will of God. And so we want that. We want to be doing the will of God that is well-pleasing to Him. And so we, we see that here in the book of Ephesians. It's a blessing that the Scriptures give us this instruction. When, when I often get to talk to individuals who are struggling with something, and I, a lot of times people are thinking, well, what does mental health say? Or, you know, what does psychology, modern psychology say? And I'm thinking, what does God's Word say? What does the Bible say? I want to go to the Scriptures first. That has been the text. It has been Christ who has changed more people than any other idea of man or any other kind of concept. If I want to make changes and see changes in my life, I want it to be changes according to God and according to His Word. And I think a lot of us can relate to the experience of starting something and, 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 and doing it in a, in a strange way. And, and after you do something the right way, you look back and say, oh, I was so foolish for the way that I once did it. 
And so it feels like everything I try to do with my hands, I was mentioning the garland this morning, it tends to go wrong. But if I've done it a few times, then it gets a lot better, you know. Um, there, there are things around my house. It seems like any time I want to fix this or that and trying to fix our fan in our house, it'll never be fixed. I'm about to just pull it off the ceiling and throw it out in the trash. Um, I, I have a struggle with that. But one day, you know, I figure out how to do things. Working on my sink and on my toilet and things like that, I'm pretty good at that. And I figured those things out and I've figured out these things around and I feel stupid for the things that I've done before. Anytime you start a new job, you've known that, you know, the first few months of it, you look back and after you figured it out, look at the foolish things that I did in the beginning. And the same thing with a Christian life. When I become a new person, When I look back, and what you're going to see here in the rest of Ephesians chapter 4, is that that stuff looks so foolish. The things that I once did. Why did I do it that way? And we want to shine light on it. So I want you to look at this passage here. Ephesians 5, 8 through 11. Paul says, for you were once darkness. You were once darkness. And now you are the light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is well-pleasing to the Lord, and have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. So how do I expose them? Well, I'm the light now. God is the light. He's given it to me. It's come through Jesus Christ. I'm now living the Christian life. And when I live in a different way, and I live in a different identity, something happens here. It exposes sin. It exposes the foolishness of the world. It exposes the foolish things that I've done in the past. It's a light on the darkness so that I don't want to go back to them. So if I'm struggling with sin in my life, I want to replace those things with things that God has given to me so that the things that I've been struggling with, the temptations I've had are exposed by now living in the right behavior. Let me illustrate that. Well, let Paul do it right here. In Ephesians chapter 5, what we just read there, we see the light exposing the darkness. And so if you go to Ephesians chapter 4 and look in verses 25 and following, right after our reading, Ephesians 4, 25 and following. And what does Paul say? He says, don't continue in falsehood or lying to one another anymore, except speak the truth to one another. Why? Because now speaking the truth and being an honest person becomes a part of my identity, who I am as a Christian. And it exposes the foolishness of lying, of telling, saying things that aren't true. It just, why did I ever do that? I don't want to do that anymore. It is the same thing when it comes to anger and wrath. You struggle with anger. Once you start living as a peaceful person who is able to resolve issues and conflict, then you look back and say, how foolish that was, the way I used to live, the way I was angry and the way that I acted. Same thing comes there. He says, if you're a thief, no longer steal. He says, rather, it's better for you to give and to share. So when your mentality is, I want to work, and he says work with your hands, work with my hands so I can give to others when my thinking is that way, then I don't have a temptation to steal anymore. It seems foolish. You know, a lot of us see that and we think, why, why steal? Why take? Why lie? Why react in that kind of angry fashion? And once you have progressed as a Christian and become mature, that light exposes the things in the past and you're able to put them behind you and move on. You're able to become that new person and a lot of those temptations go away. Some can come back, but as long as we keep that identity, we do good. Now, we also see here in Ephesians chapter 4, he says, don't speak in obscene language or with evil speech. He says, instead, speak words that are uplifting, that are edifying. 
Why? Because that's going to make it foolish when I look back at how I used to talk the way that I used to speak and when I used to say foul words. Now it seems foolish to me to even think of doing that. Same thing with kindness. It makes the idea of resentment and hatred and malice, it just seems foolish now. Why would I want to do that? And then Paul also mentions here in chapter 5, verse 4, he talks about thanksgiving. He says, it's better to be thanksgiving, giving thanks to other people and thank, giving thanks to God rather than telling filthy jokes. And speaking in that way and speaking with obscenities. He says, that's the kind of uplifting speech that will put those things away. And then down in chapter 5, verse 18, he says, do not, do not be filled with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5, and verse 18. And so there, when I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, when I live by the Holy Spirit, it exposes the life of living with a life filled with alcohol and how foolish it is. I don't want that anymore. I want to live by the Word of God. And so this is what Paul's talking about. He says, you become the light, you become the new person, and all those things in the past become foolish. They remain dead. They're put to death. So I encourage you and ask you this morning, do you see yourself as a new person who's been made holy? Or do you struggle with the old person of darkness? Which will you choose? The model of Jesus' death, burial, resurrection is where I started this morning. I'm going to come right back to it. When we become Christians, we die to the old self, we bury the old person, and we rise to the newness of life. And that's what we get, that picture. It should be a constant reminder to us. So there's so many levels and layers to the gospel. 1 Corinthians 14, 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 4 says the gospel. And the first importance to us is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. Colossians 2 and Romans chapter 6 tells us how to obey the gospel, how we imitate it, how we become a new person. And so I'll remind you again, Romans chapter 6, 4 through 6, Paul says this. Therefore we were buried with Him, we were buried with Christ through baptism into death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. So we've been buried with Christ. We've buried the old person. It started at baptism, that we began a new life. He says, now we walk in the newness of life. Look at the next verse, verse 5. For if we have been united together in the likeness of His death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of His resurrection. Do this because it's the eternal hope of the resurrection to come. That's what we look forward to is when Christ returns and we rise like Him. He says, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with Him. And I hope that we think that way. My old self has been crucified. The old self is gone. The old man has been crucified with Him that the body of sin might be done away with and that we should no longer be slaves of sin. And I love that picture there of freedom that is in Christ. Freedom from sin. I encourage you this morning, if you haven't put on Christ in baptism, do it. It begins there. If you've drifted away from living in the newness of life and that old person has some, seemed to come back, expose them by the light. Live in a different way. Change your behavior. Change your thinking. Change your mind. Become a new person and identify yourself as that new person in Christ who's been saved by the grace of God. And as long as we walk in the light, the Scriptures say all of our sins are washed away in the blood of Christ. What a great thing that is. This morning, you need the blood of Christ to wash away your sins. We're about to sing a song about it right now. Let's think about that and thank God for His great blessings and His grace. It is in Jesus Christ. Let's stand and sing together.